The Innovate 608 podcast is brought to you by Starting Block Madison and sponsored by the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com, and the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact. The Institute invests in visionary entrepreneurs who are building scalable social enterprises, offering economic opportunity for all, healthy youth development, learning, and academic achievement, and resilient communities. From the Starting Block Madison studio in the beautiful Capital East neighborhood of downtown Madison, Wisconsin, this is the Innovate 608 podcast, and I am your host, Nora Rowan-Schmidt. A record 92,000 Americans died from a drug overdose last year. Help for addicts is available, but finding the right treatment can be complicated. Our guest today started a company to help make those connections in an ethical way. Today in the studio, we have Ben Camp, co-founder and CEO of Rehab Path. Rehab Path provides independent, comprehensive online resources to help those suffering from addiction. Thanks, Ben, for joining us today. It's great to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Nora. Yeah, of course. An article that I read recently indicated that 2020 was one of the deadliest years in history for substance abuse-related deaths, with several states in the U.S., noting more than 40% increases in fatalities. These are pretty shocking statistics. Can you tell me a little bit more about Rehab Path, what you do, and your approach to helping people navigate the road to recovery? Yeah, I mean, from the beginning of COVID, a lot of people in the mental health space were talking about this inevitable echo pandemic that was going to happen related to mental health. And, you know, we're really seeing that bear out in the statistics. Um, people, you know, were their behaviors were disrupted, um, didn't have access to um, the communities that they typically do. Just, you know, a lot of problems coming, you know, from COVID-related kind of disruptions. And, you know, even we forget that before COVID, there was, you know, the opioid crisis, which has not gone away uh, and is continuing to um, cause problems throughout the U.S. So, um, yeah, I think the, you know, as a country and in the world, we've been really focused on COVID-19, obviously, in the past year, it's been the biggest story. But, you know, the mental health crisis, and especially with, you know, addiction and, and substance abuse related deaths, continues to be a huge problem throughout the world. Um, and, you know, but the positive is that there are a lot of great options for uh, recovery. And, you know, in my role as the CEO of Rehab Path, I've gotten to visit probably 25, 30 treatment centers around the world at this point, um, at least, and just seeing the options that um, are available and that there is hope for people is definitely what. Um, motivates us as a company, um, you know, we're helping people, we're helping connect people to those resources. Give a little bit of an example of how you're connecting people to the resources. How do people find Rehab Path and how do they initially get connected with you so that they can get the help that they need? Yeah. So the number one place that people turn when they have an addiction or mental health problem is the internet over family, friends, medical professionals, And, you know, that's the case with many things in our lives. We turn to the internet first, but especially with something that um, there's a lot of stigma attached to it, a lack of knowledge on the space and what next steps to take, people turn to the internet. And so, um, you know, 
as a company, we're providing uh, helpful resources for people when they type in those queries. So when someone searches rehab near me or best treatment near me, often some of our website results pages are showing up. And on those pages, they're seeing um, options of uh, treatment that um, fits their search criteria. So it's it sounds simple. There's you know you can do that for if you're looking for hotels near you or uh, you know finding flights or anything like that. You can just go to the internet and look for those type of things. But when it comes to addiction treatment resources, it's a a really difficult um, customer journey right now in terms of finding that information, finding trusted information. There's a lot of people actually trying to take advantage of people in that situation. And so, you know, we're providing ethical, helpful resources for people when they're searching. Okay, that's great. So ethical as opposed to what's the alternative? What are what are some other um, resource sites doing that um, don't share your values at Rehab Path? Yeah, so there's unfortunately a lot of um, money to be made in the space, um, and that has caused, you know, a lot of problems and um you know at this so i mean for example someone can search for treatment and they land on a website that appears to be this independent resource but what it really is is you know they're funneling people using what we call in you know ux like dark ux patterns to funnel people to call a hotline so you know you might think that you're calling this treatment center that is you know, here in Madison, Wisconsin, but actually when you call that phone number, you're getting a central hotline for, you know, a group of centers in Florida or like, a, you know, a treatment center in Massachusetts that then is going to try to convince you to go to that treatment center. And, um, you know, there's, there's lots of tactics on how they do that, but, you know, the reason they do it is because they can get someone to come there. They, you know, can make a significant amount of money by billing insurance and, you know, some of these treatment providers actually don't really know what their marketing agencies and stuff are up to, but these kind of shady marketing practices are really rampant in the space and kind of range from, uh, you know, the situation that I described or to, you know, one of our kind of major competitors in the space is a website that, um, is relatively transparent about disclosing the fact that it's owned by a treatment conglomerate um, and it shows has some great resources on there but ultimately since they are not independent they are you know they have they have reasons to um, push people towards their treatment centers whereas we're independent so you know we don't have any treatment centers that you know we're not in the back pocket of any treatment center we're trying to provide um, all the options for people. Sure. And it sounds like probably depending on what type of addiction or what type of challenge, there are different best places, practices, people to work with um, locally and out of state. Is that a, a fair assumption? Yeah, there's a large spectrum of care that, um, you know, we're doing our best and we're, we have a long way to go in terms of educating people on that full spectrum of care. You know, there's um, there's outpatient treatment there's you know going to a therapist is often something that can be a really good solution for people then of course there's detox if you um if you're if you have a that level of acuity and then there's um 
residential and then there's aftercare and you know long-term care and you know a lot of it's a spectrum of, of care and um, you know different people need different things and then um, you know in terms of there's a lot of evidence-based treatment options that work well for certain people that might not work well for other people and there's a lot of different options in addiction treatment so providing education on that and giving people the kind of breadth of options is is what we're what we're about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So your journey as an entrepreneur is fairly unique. On your website, it mentions that you chose this path while you were in seminary. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and how you went from um, seminary to being a CEO? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, I think my motivations for uh, initially pursuing that uh, career path was to help people. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in a um, pretty religious environment and had a lot of leadership and pastors like make a really positive impact on my life. So I wanted to, to do that in my life. Um, but, you know, as I was going through school and it's, you know, also it's really tough to uh, get a, a MDiv, that's the, what I was working on. I was also working full time for this marketing agency um, that, we had a lot of uh, clients that were in the addiction treatment space. And um, so I was working there and I just, I, I basically, I guess fell in love with marketing and um, solving those type of problems and eventually decided to, you know, stop pursuing the seminary uh, side of things and uh, just jumped full time into um, this marketing agency. Uh, this marketing agency was owned by uh, my co-founder uh, with Rehab Path, and so we kind of started incubating some of this, uh, the Rehab Path project, before it was even a company at that marketing agency, and then, um, you know, birthed it as its own company in 2017. So how did some of those conversations start to happen? Were you uh, spending lunch hours talking about things? Were you working really long hours trying to develop your plan um, for Rehab Path? What did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I was really set up for success because of that uh, relationship that I have with my co-founder, Jeremiah. So, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about that because um, it's it's uh, it's really important to acknowledge that I did not I did not get anywhere by myself. That's for sure. So, actually, when I was in college, um, Jeremiah, my co-founder, was an adjunct professor at the school. And I was taking some marketing classes as part of like my liberal arts degree. So taking some marketing classes and some web design classes that were taught by him. And um, we just developed a really good relationship and I learned a ton from him and was just like, I guess started to really nerd out about what we were doing. And uh, so I took a web design class from him and then in the fall of my, would have been junior year, I guess, of college. He's like, hey, I'm starting a marketing agency. Do you want to work for me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great job. I was working at the admissions office making terrible pay. And it's like, yeah, that's an easy decision. So started working with him. Um, and so he, yeah, has really mentored me throughout the years. And um, from the beginning, we actually started working on that. We, we built a website in India, uh, rehabs.in. Um, back in 2010 uh, when I was um, finishing up college and had just started working at this marketing agency, Blend, and that's what 
was kind of the impetus for starting the company years later was that project that we had done. We started this website that you know served all of India. I built it on WordPress um, and uh, kind of learned as I went. And um, from so from the beginning, we kind of always had this idea of like doing rehab path. A, a lot of my success and like growth as an entrepreneur uh, stemmed from that relationship with Jeremiah and then um, we started the company together, Rehab Path together in 2017. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a little bit of a journey. It didn't just happen overnight. This was something that you had in mind for a long time. Yeah, and I was able to develop professionally over the years at this marketing agency, Blend, and um, you know had great... I mean, I also worked with a lot of startups. Um, I was an account manager. I got to really learn about the startup space, was in you know, San Francisco every couple months uh, and meeting with clients and just learning a lot about the space and really loving the idea of startups and like how much of an impact you can have as a um, startup and uh, just really jumped at the the chance to uh, start Rehab Path. Many of the people that will be listening to this podcast are folks who would like to be entrepreneurs or would like to start their own startup and really just aren't sure where to start or they haven't made that special connection yet or had that aha moment, what advice would you give those people that are looking to develop their idea or um, take things to the next level? I think one piece of practical advice uh, would be that, one, if you don't really have your aha or like a an idea for yourself and it's not always about an idea it's like having an idea that also matches to a business need um you know it's really hard to build a business around an idea that doesn't have any customers um is to find a new startup and work for them um i think that that's i mean that's kind of what i did because you know this it was a marketing agency but still it was a startup and i got to really learn about what it was like to be in a startup and Worked with a lot of other startups, you know, for, as an uh, from the marketing setting, really get to see what it was like inside of one, and um, yeah, you see a lot of people that used to that maybe took that started by working at a startup, then eventually starting their own company based on that experience or some other opportunity that came their way. So I, I think that's pretty good advice. Um, would be to there's nothing. It doesn't have to be your idea initially to really enjoy that kind of entrepreneurial startup journey. Um, so, if I mean, just thinking about that, the community here in Madison, I mean, there's a number of startups in this building that I, you know, if I wasn't working for Rehab Path, I'd be really interested in working it with because they're solving really interesting ideas. It's like at the ground level, you're basically a co-founder of the company at this point because it's so early. Um, so, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have your own idea, I guess, to uh, enjoy that journey. It's obviously really uh, probably a lot more um, exciting if it's your own idea from the beginning, but, I mean, it's a, also a lot of work. Um, so I guess that's one way to answer that question. Um, Yeah, you know, some people are naturally able to take that next step and they're really good at finding resources and other people to work with and other people are really stuck on one detail or they're really nervous about taking a risk. 
how should they proceed? And, you know, you've mentioned the, the Madison ecosystem. Talk about that a little bit more. You know, why is that a resource? Why is that helpful? Yeah, I mean, risk is different for different people. Like, I'm definitely pretty privileged in the fact that, you know, I was pretty young and don't have any uh, family to support. So it's it's very easy for, it was very easy for me to jump out and work on a startup because, I mean, just the risk to me personally, financially and everything was just much more minimized because I don't have people depending on me. So, you know, for people that have families or other circumstances, it can be really difficult to, to jump out and do something full time. Um, you know, one way to de-risk things is to have a customer. So one thing that I've heard advice given, and also we've we did in the early days of Rehab Path is, you know, if you're an expert at something, um, and this is probably more specifically to B2B startups, which is I'm much more familiar with. So, um, but if it's a B2B, you know, idea or you have expertise in some sort of B2B um, uh, activity, like if you can get one customer, that can potentially really help cover and kind of de-risk things. And even if you're doing things as like kind of a consultant, it's not exactly the product, but that can allow you to build a product if you have um, that revenue coming in and that can obviously like help de-risk things. Um, in terms of the community uh, in here in Madison and, and Wisconsin, I've, I've found people very uh, helpful. Um, I, it seems like anyone in the startup community is very interested in seeing other startups in the space succeed because I think as we all succeed, like we're helping each other. Um, so there's a lot of um, programming that you can jump into um, and just start rubbing shoulders with um, other entrepreneurs and that can connect you to even, you know, things like grants, incubators, things like that, that can help you take a next step um, and with a little bit less of a risk. Because um, I don't think you'd want to jump into a startup without that support. I think having that community support and like even just people helping you think through the pitfalls um, just is super important. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sitting here in starting block, which has been really helpful to us as a company over the past few years. Um, I'm part of an organization called Capital Entrepreneurs that is for founders and people that are, you know, starting companies and just talking to other founders has been really helpful for me to think through next steps and just uh, help, help me be successful. Let's talk a little bit about the first time that you took your idea to pitch for funding or for a bank loan what is that process like and how did you prepare for it? And was there anything that surprised you about the process? Well, it's pretty much impossible to get a bank loan uh, as a, <laughs> a tech startup. But um, it's, uh, but yeah, in terms of pitching, um, I think the first time that I really, so we were pretty fortunate when we started the company um, Jeremiah, my co-founder, had uh, a pre-existing relationship with some former clients that became our um, kind of angel investors to help us kick things off. So we had a small amount of investment to start, so we didn't have to really do any pitching to start, which I know is pretty fortunate. Mm -hmm. um, and we also had a couple customers right at the outset. So for a, for a while, we were pretty focused on... Um, 
just growing and building the product. And, um, but when we really wanted to kind of take things to the next level, we, we knew we needed some additional funding. Um, so I think my first experience of really pitching the company was at um, Startup Showcase a couple years ago, um, which is a capital entrepreneurs event, um, part of Forward Fest. Um, so that's all, yeah, Madison, based stuff really helpful so that just having to do you know I made it as a finalist or whatever to be able to pitch during that event really helped me work on my pitch and make sure that it was um, something that I would want to present in front of you know a couple hundred people Um, and that I think really helped refine the way that I talked about the company and um, that after a few months really did lead to the angel investment that we um, got. In terms of angel investment, for those who aren't really familiar with how that works in the startup world, if you have one angel investor, does that help you for several years? Do you have to keep going back to that person? Is it typical for startups to have three or four different um, investors, one angel and maybe one that's getting a return? How does that work? Yeah, I'm not sure what's typical in terms of how many angel investors, but we had our original angels, and then um, in end of 2019, we raised from another um, angel investor. And typically, angels are often individuals, or sometimes there's a group of angel investors that um, typically they're putting in smaller amounts on more of what is kind of still a bit of a moonshot. It would probably be what it'd be called. It's like you you don't have the type of traction that like a um, venture capitalists would want to see necessarily um, and kind of a predictable revenue growth but you you have something that's worth investing in and, and a lot of times angels will invest in a lot of different kind of moonshots based on you know them believing in the founding team or the the concept and everything so um, yeah I mean it's I think it's pretty typical to have a few different ones of those and then um, you know we've gotten to the point now where we're at a bit of a crossroads where we're, we've grown our revenue significantly and can continue growing without any additional investment. And um, but the the next step in terms of kind of in the investing world would be doing a, a venture backed round, uh, which is what we're pursuing, because um, that's going to help us grow a lot faster and tackle a much larger problem um, than we could if we just continue bootstrapping. Um, so that's, that's where we're at on our journey. Is that something that you do with assistance or is it something, you know, if you're getting ready for a venture round, is that something that you have consultants and advisors assist with or is it something that you put together with your co-founder? Um, I think you could probably do it by yourself, but having advice from people that have done it before is really helpful. So that certainly can be informal. Like I was talking about the community that uh, we have access to here in Madison, and then obviously um, other connections uh, can be really helpful. I mean, I uh, have a mutual, I I have a friend of a friend that's been really helping me uh, with my latest deck because he has a lot of experience with it. And just, it's just fun to kind of go through that. Um, And yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's important to have advisors regardless of what you're doing in the business. but I think like when you're raising funds, getting feedback from people and like having advisors that know uh, what they're talking about can mm-hmm. be really helpful. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your role as CEO. 
what's it like to be the CEO? What are some um, things that are really fantastic about being a CEO? And what are some of the challenges? Um, yeah, I mean, from the beginning as a, at a startup, the role of the CEO, well, one, it feels kind of laughable to call yourself a CEO because it's just like you have, you know, I think when we started, we had one, it was me and um, had one full-time employee and it's just, you feel kind of, uh, it, it feels laughable to call yourself a CEO, but then you do start to grow into it, and I think it's important to just um, dive into it. Um, so you kind of go from, you know, the CEO, meaning that you do everything, <laughs> everything and anything all the time, um, to hopefully if you're growing and th having success, um, learning to delegate and take things off your plate. So like over the past year, we've had a lot of growth. I mean, we've more than doubled our revenue um, over the past year. And so that means also a lot of team growth. And so we're, you know, hiring people and my uh, role has changed quite a bit because I'm trying to get as much off my plate so that I can pour, focus on the right things right now. Um, so it's a, I think that's a really fun challenge. Um, like definitely one of the joys of my job now is having a great team to work with because um, we just have an amazing team. So my role has definitely changed in terms of I'm mostly just trying to support them and help them be successful. And then also, of course, be the forward facing like person that people look at with rehab path and pushing, uh, you, you know, major initiatives forward. But um, so, yeah, it's changed over significantly over the last four years, which is, I think, probably the fun part about being uh, in a startup. And obviously, like with my experience level, the only way for me to have the title like CEO would be to like give it to myself at the beginning of starting a company and then grow into it. So it's kind of, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's very cool. Tell me a little bit about 2020 and COVID and some of the things that you experienced as a leader of an organization. What did that look like for you? Um, were there challenges? Were there some successes? What did that look like? Yeah. Um, the beginning of 2020 before covid started having an impact um we had just raised that um seed funding that i mentioned at the end of 2019 and were um had a lot of plans for growth and had hired a few people so it was definitely like the biggest expansion of a, of our team up to that point we had hired our first full-time salesperson um and then also had built an office and a team in India to support our efforts over there. So I actually, in March of 2020, myself and Jeremiah went over to India um, to set up that office and meet our team that was that we'd already been working with remotely for months. Uh, so it was a really cool opportunity. And then it turned out that we ended up having to scurry back home. Essentially, I think we took up we our flight back from India happened to be I think. I think it was the last day that they allowed flights out of the country. We we really got it close and had to actually change our flights to, to do that. Um, so it was a little nerve wracking. And, um, you know, so for a while we were just like happy to be home and not um, stuck abroad. Um, and then just as we saw things develop, um, uh, at least, yeah, from our perspective uh, as a company, it was it was really tough for a few months 
um, basically sales goals were impossible to hit just because most even treatment centers were just trying to figure out how to operate. Uh, you know, they were trying to figure out how to get testing in place and masks that were hard to come by and all those type of things were just preventing most of the treatment centers that, um, that uh, pay us for advertising, you know, were putting that stuff on pause because they couldn't really even take clients at the moment. So for two to three months, our sales were like flat or going backwards. Um, and we had just expanded our team. So it was just like, it was definitely not a great, it, you know, it was very uncertain at the time. Um, uh, one thing that really helped us in terms of just gave, gave us a real boost was we were able to get a PPP grant at the time. Um, which helped, you know, cover pay, payroll and stabilize things a lot. So, you know, we were really uh, thankful for the, you know, government response um, and in helping small businesses um, kind of maintain uh, their momentum. So <clears throat> that was that was a lifesaver at the time. Um, and then things started to pick up pretty quickly, actually. Um, obviously, the need continues for people to find addiction treatment and as centers started um, kind of getting back on their feet, they saw a huge demand for their services, especially once people kind of learned how to travel safely and things like that. We saw a lot of really interesting trends around people that were cooped up at home and realizing, wow, I have an addiction, like I need, uh, I need to take care of it. Also, like a lot of people had lost their jobs or like had new opportunities to go to treatment um, that they didn't have before. So kind of the industry as a whole, it was really interesting to see actually some of the, yeah, it's like there's there's lots of positives and negatives that were kind of resulted from uh, COVID in terms of even just looking at addiction treatment. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I guess one of the positives was just seeing people kind of you know, most people just their lives kind of continue at the same frantic pace. And then when there's a pause, uh, it, it helped people kind of reevaluate where things were. And like a lot of people were able to go to treatment that may have never considered it previously or just kind of kept continuing in what they were doing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it sounds like you experienced the, the full range of things in 2020, the highs, yeah. the lows, the, all of the in-betweens. Oh, and one thing was, too, that we really learned how to be a remote company, So, yeah. um, which has been, was a really interesting transition. I mean, we had been almost always in the office here at Starting Block before uh, COVID, and then obviously once COVID hit, we were all working from home. Um, you know, we were set up pretty well with our, you know, we use Slack for our, our, all our communication internally for the most part in you know google suite so we were set up pretty well from a tool perspective and then it was actually kind of neat because we were working with this india team that um is part of our team it's a you know they're they work they work with us they're part of our team and in many ways it helped us feel closer to them because they were remote too and we're all we're all remote now and so actually we felt closer to the people in india i think because they were the same distance away than someone uh, across the neighborhood in Madison. It's pretty interesting. But um, yeah, so that opened up a lot of opportunities for us too in hiring because we've kind of continued to be um, allow for remote work. But you know, now we're also seeing the benefits of coming back and seeing each other in person, which has been 
really nice um, and, and, and hard to replace. But um, that, was, that was a big change, obviously, to uh, the remote side of things. Definitely. So you've mentioned um, members of your team that are in India. Where is, who are you serving? Um, you know, is it India and the United States? Is it Great Britain? Where, who are you serving right now with your services at Rehab Path? Um, our sites cover a lot of geographies. Um, India, for sure. So our India team serves our India clients and our India site specifically. And then um, <clears throat> we have kind of done flag planting projects would probably be the best way to think of it in terms of we have a website in the UK um, and then we have one in the Philippines and covering the continent of Africa um, that we've done as projects. But as the market in the US has picked up, that has been our plan all along was to grow uh, revenue and market share in the U.S. and then continue to kind of cover our international ambitions. So right now we're very focused on the U.S. and Canada um, and have seen a lot of growth. I think now 85% of our revenue is from the U.S. So um, most of our focus is on the U.S. right now with um, a lot of really interesting opportunities internationally. What's next for Rehab Path? You have any um, exciting news that you'd like to share or anything coming soon? Yeah, um, what's next for Rehab Path? So we've grown our team. Um, you know, I, we have about 20 team members right now. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, uh, I think we had about 10 at the beginning of this year. So we've doubled our team size this year and are continuing to hire. Um, and you know, we're doing that to just continue doubling down on the success that we've had with our current efforts. But the, um, the next uh, huge uh, project that Rehab Path is undertaking is, um, so far we've been pretty focused on a specific niche of uh, treatment, um, and that's kind of on the higher end. So, um, you know, residential kind of mid to high tier treatment centers um, on our website called luxuryrehabs.com. And, um, you know, that's just a small segment of the market that has really helped us um, kind of monetize and grow our team and build our business model. But we're very much, um, as a company, you know, we want to serve um, everyone at all segments of the market. So we're, um, you know, from a mission perspective and also just like it's a much larger um, segment of the uh, market uh, is, um, you know, rehab, we're going to be launching rehabpath.com, uh, which will cover, you know, all 15,000 treatment providers in the U.S. So um, it's a pretty big undertaking. That's what I'm out, um, you know, talking to investors about our um, next raise uh, will be for um, helping us launch that. Um, but we're, we're moving ahead with that regardless. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's a huge undertaking, but um, it's, that's, what, that's what's next on the docket for sure. No, it sounds incredible, absolutely incredible. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today and all of our listeners. You've been listening to the Innovate 608 podcast with special guest Ben Camp, CEO and co-founder of Rehab Path. For more information about Rehab Path, visit their website, rehabpath.com, or find them on social media. 
Be sure to check out the Starting Block Madison Facebook page for video clips, special excerpts from this time with our guests. And remember, innovators, do one thing every day that's slightly outside of your comfort zone. We'll see you soon. What's the most innovative thing you've done this week? Record a voice message or video message about your innovation or innovative approach and send it to us in an email at innovate608 at startingblockmadison.org.